Let's pray this morning. Father, when we come to you, we're not just coming to a good idea. We're coming to an amazingly revealed person that uh, once we start getting to know you, we realize there's more to know than we could ever get our arms or heads around. And so every Sunday can be a miraculous Sunday. Every Sunday can be a new light bulb experience of knowing another facet or side of you that we never knew before, becoming aware of something about you we didn't know. Uh, And Lord, this morning, uh, just trailing how this trails all through Scripture. Um, Just it's a fun, amazing thing, and uh, it just shows how you thought it all out. And we are very impressed with that. And we ask that you would uh, just vindicate your word, validate it this morning by your spirit, and speak to us individually, whichever way you need to. And we ask for that favor in your name. Amen. All right. Um, This morning we're starting, and the the series is The Promise of the Light. You know, Christmas, as the song says, it's the most wonderful time of the year, right? And there's just all kinds of things that kick in. There's stuff that uh, takes place that's special. Uh, a lot of it is just, you know, the food, right? And the music, right? It starts already. And then the movies. I don't know, but I love the Christmas movies, right? We watch them at home on Netflix. is great fun. Charlie Brown, the whole gang. Uh, but really what makes it is the lights, right? If you drive around at Christmas time, the lights are just spectacular. I, probably a lot of you got yours up already. I put mine up yesterday or day before so I wouldn't get caught in the rain. And, uh, you know, it's just all of a sudden our street just looks like, awesome, you know, driving at night, it just looks beautiful. So, but uh, Christmas, more than any other season of the year, is known as a season of lights. And we find the same theme in scripture, the use of light to proclaim the salvation of God. Uh, consider this word picture in Isaiah right here. It says, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises Upon you. There's something about that phrase. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. Amen. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. It's talking about God manifesting himself in people in such a way that it's a light to other people who don't know him. It's talking about um, God being a light. And so there's this promise of light being given. Um, You see this, that light is wrapped up in a person. It's not this idea of a flashlight or the great cosmic burst or anything like that. It's actually wrapped up in a person. In John chapter 1, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Right? The darkness has not understood But it says that light was wrapped up in his life. In other words, as he lived his life, as it was recorded for us, um, Jesus is the light of the world. And the theme of light and darkness runs deep and wide through both the Old and New Testaments. You don't have to go too far to look for it or, or to try and find it. Uh, It's distilled even more in John chapter 3. John chapter 3 says this, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear 
that his deeds will be exposed. And that's true, right? We know that with our children. We know that with ourselves. How are you doing? Fine, right? We, our eyes go, right? If we're not feeling clean inside, our eyes divert away. Why? Because the Bible says the light of your body shines out through your eyes. And if there's darkness in your eyes, then how great is the darkness? And that's always been true. There's no such thing as private sin. There's no such thing as I, I, it's not hurting anybody. All right? Sin always affects deeply. And one of the things it does is it robs us of light. It robs us of a clear conscience. It robs us of fellowship. It robs us of love for the Lord. It robs us when we go dark inside, the light goes away. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. Here's the positive side. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. In other words, as God works through us, people recognize that and say, boy, I can see the Lord in your life. I I remember one time I was doing a wedding and it was a non-Christian wedding. And I had worked with this gal and guy and a guy came up to me after the wedding and he said, you have an amazing light about your countenance. He says, I don't know what it is about you. I don't know what you're doing. Um, Is this a new age kind of thing or something? You know, you just you seem to kind of glow. And I said, well, if you see that, it's really the Lord Jesus. He says, I can tell that. And I thought that was one of the greatest compliments I ever received in my life is that somebody recognized that kind of light coming uh, from Jesus. And so what you find in the Christmas story is, is light is woven all through the Christmas story, all right? And it's, we're going to focus on that theme of light as we, as we come toward it. And this morning... Uh, the first symbol that we want to look at is the star, right? The famous star. It says this, Magi, or wise men, came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born the king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. The star of Christmas. The star of Christmas has held a long fascination for scholars, mathematicians, historians, scientists, and normal folk all through the centuries. What was it? How did it appear? How did they know? All those questions. Uh, Lots of fun stuff you can research on Google and the internet. Now the Bible warns about worshiping the stars and the starry hosts and seeking them out for our futures, such in like astrology and that sort of thing. But the fact is that God can use the stars as illustrations uh, perfectly fine because he created them, (laughs) right? They're his. He's named them all. So if you ever go out and look one night and realize God has a name for every star, that's a pretty awe-inspiring thought when you think about it. And thus he did. He used a star on Christmas, representative of the coming king, both a sign and a symbol pointing to a royal birth, actually the royal birth, the royal birth of the universe. At a certain time, at a certain place, in a certain spot in history, God chose to manifest himself as one of us. Now, this sign is not new. It's one that uh, the Lord had used in significant ways uh, all through Scripture, and there's a lot of foreshadowing of the one who was to come, the one who was and is and is to come. We're not talking about an average person here. We're talking about a significant one. Let's go uh, all the way back to Abraham. It says, God... 
he, God, took him, Abraham, he took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars. If indeed you can, count them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Now, to us, we read that and we go, hey, what? Well, so we, um, we live in an age where we're not very impressed with the stars, right? Um, we're so used to artificial human light that we actually think that's better than light that God creates. And so we, we are wrapped up in our light, not his light. And uh, if you live in Seattle, you don't get to see the stars most of the time anyways, right? So we walk around Seattle, you go, oh, gray, okay, awesome. And, uh, you know, or it's black and you don't really get to see it. And so we kind of walk around really uh, subconscious, unconscious about the, the glory that God built into the stars. So when God took Abraham out, what did Abraham actually see? What did Abraham see that night that God, when God took him to look at the stars? So I'm going to ask Dave to turn the house lights down. And uh, I want to show you a picture of what Abraham actually saw. As a boy in Wisconsin, we used to lay out in the backyard. There were no yard lights back when I was a kid. And it was pitch black. And we would lay out in the yard and watch the Big Dipper circle the silo. And we would watch about 2 in the morning as the Milky Way just came across over the top of us and in amazement sat and watched the bands and the colors and the lights. There were no such things as satellites in that day or anything like that. It was an amazing, amazing time. It says that Abraham believed the Lord. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Later in Genesis 22, after Abraham had passed the test of uh, being willing to offer his son Isaac as an offering, the Lord said to Abraham, I swear by myself that because you have done this and you have not withheld your your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make you uh, descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of your enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. And we know that that promised one would come out of Abraham's seed. But did you know he was also referred to as a star? You can bring the house lights back up, Dave. There you go. If you go to Numbers chapter 23 and 24, what you're going to find there is the story of a guy named Balaam. Most of us are familiar with Balaam uh, as Balaam, the story with Balaam's donkey, right? And he beat the donkey and the donkey said, what have I ever done to you? And then Balaam saw the angel of the Lord with his sword drawn, ready to kill him and realized the donkey was actually trying to help him. That's the story most of us know about Balaam. But the story that's the bigger part of that story is that Israel was moving through the desert, and they were now uh, getting ready to come into the promised land. As as they did that, they had to come through several of these kingdoms, one of them being Moab. Balak was the king of Moab. And so uh, Israel asked for safe passage, said, look, we'll come through. We won't do anything. We won't plunder anything. We'll pay for the water and food. Will you just let us pass? And Balak said, absolutely not. The reason for that? 
is politically and militarily, it made no sense to let them through and let them into the promised land because once they got settled in the promised land, they could just come right back through the back door and get Moab again. And so Balak said, absolutely not. Balak was terrified as he saw the numbers of people. They estimated it was about 3 million. So you could imagine if 3 million people started walking through Mill Creek, what that would look like. And uh, that would make people a little nervous. And so he got this guy, uh, Balaam, who was a seer or an oracle. And he said, I want you to come and I want you to curse Israel for me. Because you hear from God, and, and therefore if you curse them, they will not prosper and we'll be able to defeat them. And so uh, then comes the famous story of Balaam and the donkey. But Balaam eventually arrives, and uh, he gets there, and he tells Balak, I can only do what God tells me. So the, he brings him out the first time, and Balaam blesses Israel. And Balak's like, what, you crazy? That's not what I brought you for, you ding-dong. You're supposed to be cursing him. So he said, look, let me take you to another part. And he shows him, and he shows him Israel again. And, and Balaam reads out a bigger blessing, right? And now Balak's just beside himself. I paid you all this money. I brought you all these gifts. And you're, you're blessing my enemies. Are you, what are you doing? Well, this goes on for four times. But in the fourth oracle, in the fourth oracle, it, it reads like this. An oracle of Balaam, son of Beor, the oracle of one who sees clearly, the oracle of one who hears the words of God, who has knowledge from the Most High, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls prostrate and whose eyes are open. And then it says this, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. A ruler will come out of Jacob. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. A ruler will come out of Jacob. This picture of the star being a symbol of the coming Christ. If you go to Revelation, it... uh, ends it as, it as it begins. It says this, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. He's talking to his good friend, the Apostle John. John is the one that says, uh, was the disciple that Jesus loved. If John, Jesus had affection for anybody, it was John. And John's out on this rocky island in Patmos. He's caught up in a vision for heaven. And he gives him the book that we now know, know as Revelation. And at the end of it, he says, I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And so I thought it'd be appropriate and fitting this morning as we uh, have the symbol and the the star and uh, that kind of symbol to recognize we're not worshiping a star, but that star represents who? The coming of the great one. That star is going to appear again. That star is going to come back. He is the bright and morning star, and he will uh, reveal himself again to the world. I'm going to ask the uh, worship team to come up this morning and uh, be up here as we do communion. We're going to do communion a little differently this morning. It says, the wise men came from the east and sought him out. Where is he who is born the king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. And I thought it would be appropriate this morning if we did the same sort of idea of coming 
and worshiping uh, with him. And so this morning we're going to come up and what we'd like you to do is come down the two side aisles. People in the middle go out through the middle, through the back, come down and then come back around. Um, you can come with friends. You can come by yourself. You can come as a couple. You can come as a family. But we're going to just do communion as worship this morning. Coming to him the bright morning star, and worshiping this morning. Uh, at Northview, we practice open communion, and what that simply means, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you acknowledge him as Savior and Lord, then you're welcome to join and have communion with us as well. And so um, we're going to enter into uh, communion, and um, we're going to have the worship team just playing lightly in the background. But what I'd like you to do is take a few moments and just stop. Go back to the picture of the wise men. What do you think that would have been like? You know, they traveled somewhere between twelve and 1,500 miles on a camel. Some of us make the run to California, right? And that's a long run. That's about 1,200 miles from here to go to L.A. And uh, we barely survive in our cars. Can you imagine what it would be like on a camel or a donkey? A little different trip, right? Try to turn the air conditioning on that one on. What do you think it'd be like for them to put that kind of journey together, looking at that symbol and knowing that symbol is pointing to someone? And they knew it was a king. That's a lot of effort, a lot of time to see a symbol and follow through to find the person. Well, this morning I want you to pause and think about the person that's behind the symbol, the great one who came, the the royal birth this morning. Take a few minutes by yourself in quiet. The band will just lightly play. And then as you feel led, come on down, do communion together, and we'll go from there. And so we come full circle, the symbol of Christmas, the star. A star pointing the way to Jesus, and Jesus, the bright morning star, pointing away to the Father, the way of salvation through him, the promised one, the Messiah, the one who is to come and usher in the kingdom of God. Balaam said, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. The Magi asked, where is the one who's been born, the king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. The light of Christmas is a person promised from long ago. This was the promised one of Abraham when he stood out under that canopy of stars that we looked at that night so long ago. And you say, Mitch, how do you know that? Well, you can find out in John chapter 3 where Jesus said, Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day, and he saw it, and he was glad. You're not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him, and you've seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. That name I am was the same I am that God used 
when he spoke to Moses and said, Who shall I say is sending me? So tell them, I am is sending you. And it's I am who is calling us even now in 2013.